prayer for this church is that when we're gone, it will continue on hundreds of years from now. I hope they won't be in this building. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll fly to the building. They won't have to worry about parking. They'll just park up in the sky. I don't know what they'll do. My prayer is that that will continue. What a privilege it is that God would have us and have me begin to build some of the theological foundation that we need to have as a church. That's a privilege. That's a real privilege. And so this morning, these two verses, they talk about one main theme in the Christian faith. And that is the theme that we've been singing about this morning. It is justification. In Christ, those who believe in Christ and trust in Christ, they are justified. So I want to read these two verses to you. Chapter 2, verse 15 to 16. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. This is the great truth of the gospel. It is our justification. And these verses, they are the key verses for the entire book of Galatians. If you wanted to sum up the book of Galatians, you would sum them up with these verses. And what these verses give us a picture of is what justification actually looks like. And before we dive into the realities of these verses, what I want to do is give us a big picture, give us a big overview of what justification is and what it looks like in our lives. Because what justification tells us as Christians is something quite significant. Sometimes we get annoyed by maybe big words like justification. But if the Bible uses the word, we should know it. And what it means, not only know it factually, but what it means for our lives practically. Many people I have studied with before could run rings around me and tell you all the factual knowledge of what justification would mean. But what it means for us practically is what we should know. And what justification tells us, it's a big picture before we get into these verses, what justification tells us is justification tells us what God says about us. Justification tells us what God speaks about us, what God declares over us. You see, God, he does speak over you. God, he does speak about you. And sometimes we as people, I don't know, do you ever get self-conscious? Sometimes I, I do. You, you kind of wonder, what do people say about me? What do people speak about me? You know, when, when they're away, maybe, you know, after we've had a conversation or a talk, what do they say? You know, maybe you, you meet up with someone in a, in a, in a shopping center or something and you, you meet together and there's two people. One knows you well. 
and the other one doesn't really know you at all, and they introduce themselves and all this kind of stuff. You chat for a while, you walk away from those two people you've just met. As you walk away, what's happening? What are they doing? You can bet something. They are talking about you. They're saying something about you. Now I'm going to freak you out whenever you meet someone, right? They're going to say something about you. They're going to speak about you. You wonder, what do people say in front of my face? What do people say behind my back? The question in justification is this. What does God say about me? What does he say in front of my face? And what does he say behind my back? It's always consistent with God. God in justification, he says the same thing over the Christian, over and over again. And you know, one of the great issues that this book is handling, that the book of Galatians is handling, is an issue that we don't often think about, and it's that issue of people-pleasing. One of the reasons why Peter failed so badly is because he was so concerned about what people thought, said, or did. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 12, we see what Peter's problem was. It's what we looked at last week. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. So, so Peter, Cephas, he has four names, Simon, Cephas, um, Simeon, and Peter. This guy with four names is quite a different character. He would eat with the Gentiles and he thought it's okay to eat with the Gentiles. But then when the circumcision party came, he was fine with that theology. I'll eat their foods. I'll be with them. No problem. But then when the other people came, what did he do? He went away from them. I don't know them. I don't want to be with them. He distanced himself from them. He was worried about what people would say, what people would do, and what people would think. That was his problem. But for us, we must be careful not to worry so much. And I do. I do. I'm sure most of us do. Worry so much about what people think, what people will say, what people will do. But justification will tell us this. Don't worry so much about what people will say about you. Worry about what God says about you. Because what God says about you is the only thing that really matters. And what is it in justification that God says about you? God says that you are not Guilty. That's what God speaks over you every single day. That is what God declares over the Christian every single day. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. guilty. No matter what anybody says to you, no matter what Satan says to you, no matter what you say to you, the gospel says to you, not guilty. Justification declares over you, not guilty. That is the verdict that it pronounces over you. And so the opposite of justification, that tells us what the opposite of justification is. If justification is the declaration that you are not guilty, 
then the opposite of justification is what? Condemnation, which would say that you are guilty, which speaks into our heart this truth, the truth of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Justification says not guilty, which means justification says for you, there is no more condemnation for you. And Paul, he is obsessed with this reality of not guilty, of justification. And he speaks of that reality in Galatians in a smaller way. And he speaks of that reality expanded in Romans in a bigger way. You are not guilty. That's what God says over you. That's what God speaks over you. But you know what? In my low points... In my head, I kind of know justification, right? I can say what it is. But in my no, in low points, I hear not guilty, and I don't believe it. Sometimes I don't believe it. And sometimes I don't feel it. I don't believe I'm not guilty, and I don't feel I'm not guilty. Why? Because I know me. And it's hard sometimes to hear that truth of justification because I just don't believe it sometimes and I don't feel it sometimes. Imagine for a second that you were brought into a courtroom. And as you're brought into this courtroom, you stand before the judge. And the prosecution come and they say, look, we've got loads of evidence for this guy. Shane, we're going to put him away for years. He's absolutely done. This is, going to be an, this is going to be an easy case for us to win. And so what they do is they, they come into this, this courtroom, the prosecution. And, and who is the prosecution in my life? It is, it, is, it is the world, it is Satan, and it is myself. And this prosecution, they bring all this reality of my guilt before me. And what is the reality of my guilt that is before me? It is my sin. See, this is why I don't believe the verdict sometimes not guilty. Because my sin keeps nagging at me saying, no, but you are. So they bring sins. They say, right, well, we have loads of sins. What do you want to pick from? Sin, sins of commission. We'll bring sins of commission. That's a posh way of saying Shane sins. And when he sins, he knows exactly what he is doing when he does it. So here you go, judge. The sins of commission. He knows exactly what he's doing. What is he? He's guilty. And then they bring along what? The sins of omission. Which is what they say in this way. They say, Shane, not only does he commit sin and knows what he's doing when he sins, but here's what happens. Shane sometimes sees the good that he should do and he omits to do it. He doesn't do it. The sins of omission. And then they bring forward Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, and say, you know, in Leviticus, all the people, they gave sacrifices for unintentional sins, which means even when Shane doesn't mean to sin, he still sins. You need, he, he is absolutely guilty. And then there is the unknown sins. We commit sins that we don't even know about. And they could bring all those sins before the judge and say, look, judge, I mean, Absolutely guilty. 
And then they say, well, you look at the history of his sins, not all, only all those sins, but then the history of his sins, which is this. He sinned in the past. Look at all his past. He's going to sin in the present. Look at all his present. And he's going to sin in the future. We know that. So what's the verdict have to be? He's guilty. And then look at, look at how he sins. Not only sins of omission or commission or past or present or future, but then how he sins. He sins in his thoughts. They bring out my thoughts. Then they bring out my words and say he sins in his words. And then they bring out my actions and say they sins in his actions. And they say, judge, if you are a just judge, if you're just, you have to say guilty. And the thing is, for me, I don't really need anybody to really tell me that. I know that and I believe that every single day. And when I hear justification, sometimes I say that can't be true. But for the Christian, it is true. Because God is the one who justifies, who sets free the ungodly. Romans 4 verse 5 says this. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted to him as righteousness. Our God is a God who justifies the ungodly. And the question is, how can he still be a just judge who justifies ungodly and guilty people? Surely he cannot be a just judge. So how does he justify us? And that is what these two verses talk about. How he justifies us. And what Paul wants to be clear about is how, how God does not justify us. And then he also wants to be clear about how God does justify us. Let me read the two verses again. You'll see it. Chapter 2, verse 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. You know he is trying to make a point when he repeats things two or three times. You are not justified by the works of the law. It's not by the works of the law. It is not by the works of the law. It is by faith in Christ. It is by faith in Christ. It is by faith in Christ. Do you think Paul is trying to make a point? Yes, he is. And here's my guess this morning. I'm going to try and guess what you're thinking. I know that's weird, but I'm going to try and do it. I think that some of us might be thinking, Shane, I already know this. I know this. This is simple. Christianity 101. It's not by works. It's by faith in Jesus. Shane, I know this. To which I would remind you this. Remember who Paul is speaking to. In verse 15, he says this. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Do you know what I believe? He's saying we, so he's talking about someone. 
He is talking indirectly to Gentiles, but he is talking directly to who? He is talking directly to Peter. From verses 14 all the way down to verse 21, I believe that Paul is talking directly to Peter. Now you say to me, what difference does that nerdy point make? That Paul, who cares who Paul is talking directly towards? It's Peter, who cares? Because I am convinced that if anyone already knows this truth, it's who? Peter! Peter definitely knows this truth. Peter was with Jesus when Jesus was teaching this truth. Peter preached one of the best sermons you will find in Scripture, Acts chapter 2, in which he preaches this very truth. When Jesus was leaving, he said to Peter, what? Feed my sheep, because he trusted that Peter, if anybody, would know this truth, that it is not by works, but by faith. And yet, Paul thinks it is necessary to tell Peter, the nerd who knows it all, this truth again. Because sometimes we can know these truths factually, but we do not know them in reality. We can know these truths factually, but we do not know them in reality. Like I've said to you many times, I have had the privilege, privilege to study God's word for, for many years under, under different teachers. But I've also seen many sad things when I've seen and studied with other men and women of God who know the truth factually really, really well, but do not live it in reality. Because you know what I think we want to do, every Christian? Don't you want to live your life and make God happy? I do. I want to live my life and make God happy. And so sometimes what I do is I say, right, God, I am going to read my Bible today. And I'm thinking in my, in my head, I want to make you happy. And I'm going to attend here and this meeting because I want to make you happy. And I want to do these things because I want to make myself right before you. And those things are good and things that we should be doing but they will never make you right before God. They are to be an overflow from our relationship already established by God, but they will never make you right with God. And I always, almost on a daily basis, I slip into this reality of I need to make myself better and right before God. And God is speaking to me every day and saying, Shane, will you ever stop it? That's done. Read your Bible just from response of how I love you. That justification, it's done, it's settled, it's sealed. That's why Jesus died. You don't need to earn anything anymore. You don't need to earn any favor anymore. I have called you righteous now. That is set. That is your position. It is done. You are justified. Justification tells us what God says about us. Now, we are not guilty. And that it is not by works. But Paul is more specific, isn't he? He's not saying it's just not about works in general. He's saying it is not by works of the law. 
You're not justified by works of the law. And sometimes this even surprises many Christians. So if you were to summarize the law, we could probably summarize the law like it's the first five books in the Bible, but you could summarize it like this, the Ten Commandments or, or, or what people would call the Ten Words. And these Ten Commandments, most of us would know those Ten Commandments, and you might say to yourself, well, if someone could keep those Ten Commandments perfectly, and if that someone was to stand before God's throne as the judge, would that person then be justified? I mean, surely, if they kept his law perfectly and his Ten Commandments perfectly, wouldn't they stand before him righteous? Paul says, by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, we cannot keep the law. Part of the law shows us you can't keep it. Even if, go ahead and try and keep the Ten Commandments today. You won't have a hope. The law makes us aware of our sin. But the law, it never was there. Never was there to make us righteous. It was never there to make us justified. Romans 3 verse 20 says this, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. No one will be declared, another way you could say that, no one will be justified in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, they become conscious of sin. So even if you were to keep it, you would not be justified. Say, Shane, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, surely that's what we're supposed to do, keep the whole thing. It was always justification, is always, was always, will be always by what? By faith. Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was saved by faith. In the Old Testament, they were not saved by the works of the law. They were saved through faith in the promised Messiah who is to come. In the New Testament, in the times of Jesus, they were not saved by the works of the law, by circumcision or the food law. They were saved by faith in the Messiah who was there. And right now, we are not saved by our works or by the works of the law. We're saved by our faith in the one who was, in the one who is, and the one who is to come. That is how we are saved. By faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. That's how we are saved. That's how we are declared justified. So that when we stand in the courtroom, and the prosecutors bring all our sin and guilt before him, the righteous and the just judge. Why does he say not guilty? He says not guilty because Jesus steps into the courtroom and Jesus says, I see all this sin and I'm going to take it all from him. Sins of omission, sins of commission, sins past, sins present, sins future. Jesus says, judge, give it to me. I'm going to take it all. And then Jesus looks at you and he says, do you believe I can take it all? Do you trust in me that I will take all of your sin, past, present, and future? Do you trust in me when I say your sin is nailed to the cross, that that is the reality? Do you believe that?
And when you say, yes, Jesus, I believe it, the judge says, justify. Justify. That is what he says about you. That's what justification tells us. But justification also tells us what God thinks about us. You ever ask that question? God looks at me. What's he thinking? What does God think when he looks at me? I was um, watching uh, Simi and the lads. I was, I, was, I was signed up to be a coach, right, yesterday. I was watching Simeon and his team play in a hockey blitz. And uh, they were playing, playing in the match, and I was watching on the sidelines, and I saw him playing. And I remember as I saw him playing, I remember that feeling. As I was playing and there was a crowd on the sideline, I remember that feeling. I started to think, you know, what are they all thinking? How am I, all, how am I doing? What's their thought? What are they thinking? Do you know what the most important question for me as a young boy? What does dad think? When dad's watching, what does dad think? How does he think I'm doing? And that's our question. What does my father in heaven think about me when he's watching me play the game of life? Do you know what justification says? Father in heaven looks at you and he says, there's my son. There's my daughter. Look at them. Forgiven. Forgiven. That's what justification says. And then he says, there's my son. There's my daughter. Look at them. Not only forgiven, but righteous. That's what justification says. That you today are forgiven. And that you today are righteous. And the picture of that is this. I don't know if you've been looking up your bank account recently, but if you've looked up your bank account recently, maybe you, you go into AIB, you put those you know, four-digit or five-digit code in, you look in and you kind of wonder, well, what's going to be the result today? And it's sometimes a little bit scary nowadays to look into the account. And so you're about to look into the account. And I think in our lives, we, we look into that account and we know what we think we're going to see. What we think we're going to see in the account of our life when we look at it is all the debt of our sin. But what forgiveness says to us is that all that sin is paid. That means when you look at your account, it should be in debt. You should be in the red. But Jesus comes and he clears it all through his death on the cross, through those who have believed in him by faith. He wipes away all that death, death. But justification is more than that. Not only does he wipe your account clean, but you know what he does? He puts the money of his righteousness into that account. So that means when you look at your balance, you're like, where did all this money come from? How did all my debt get wiped away? And now how do I have all this money of righteousness? How did I get that? Because you believed in Jesus by faith. That is the beauty of justification. And that's why Paul is so annoyed in this letter with Peter. Peter, you're saying it's about works. It's not about works. 
It's about a faith in Christ Jesus. And so we remember the truth of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Just listen to this as I read it to you. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. It is not through my works. It's in him. So when Jesus sees you, when Jesus looks at you, when Jesus thinks about you, I want you to remember this for the rest of your life. If you have put your faith in Jesus, when Jesus sees you, when Jesus thinks about you, he thinks forgiven and righteous. That's the beauty of this doctrine of justification. And I would love our church never to forget it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the beauty of this truth of justification, that it is not by works of the law, but that is only by faith in Christ alone. And so, Lord, I pray that we would remember this morning that we are forgiven, that we stand righteous before you, that we are justified if we have put our faith and trust in you. And I pray this morning for any of us here who have not yet trusted in you by faith. I pray this morning that they would place their faith and trust in you. What a wonder justification is. I pray that we would constantly, each day, believe that verdict, not guilty. Not guilty. In your name, I pray these things. Amen.